Well, hello and welcome to our Practical Rambling Fathers Podcast. My name, once again, is Father Tate. I'm Father Brian. And today, we're very excited to uh, uh, to continue on with our, with our series of the Church Fathers. And so our podcast today, we'll be talking about uh, Ignatius of Antioch. And Justin Martyr. And Justin the Martyr. Nice. As you can see, we're super excited. I am, because last week we had an awesome story about Polycarp and his martyrdom. Ignatius, Ignatius of Antioch is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. So Ignatius has a very similar story of, of how he got martyred, very similar to Polycarp. And so we have to understand, before I even speak about Ignatius of, of Antioch, is that they took Christianity very seriously. And so the mind of St. Ignatius of Antioch, in order to, if a person really wanted to truly love Christ, then he or she should do what Christ did, which means how does one give one's life to Christ entirely? And so for him, that was the definition of perfect disciples of Christ. Like he says it here, um, that he believes to be the perfect disciple of Christ is to give one's life over to Christ. And so, one of the most beautiful letters that Ignatius writes is to the Romans. Because in his heart, he knew his time was coming. He was condemned by the Emperor Trajan. Or Trajan. I think I'm saying that, that right. T-R-A-J-A-N. Yep. Um, and then, that dialogue between the Emperor was very similar to Jesus with Pontius Pilate. Because this Emperor told Ignatius, like, why, he called him demon, like, you demon, why are you spreading evils and lies and not obeying our commands? And then Ignatius says one of the most beautiful manly lines ever, how can you call me a demon? My name is Theophorus, it expels demons. So Theophorus in Greek means gift of God, so therefore, if my name is gift of God, there's no way demons can exist in me yeah. if I'm living for Christ. I don't know about you. I would never say that. <laughs> if there's anyone named Theodore out there, that um, is the English um, breakdown of Theodore. Theo meaning God, Dor meaning gift. So Theodore, gift of God. So any Theodores in your life are gifts from God. That's what their name means. Yeah. Amen. So Ignatius is, is in jail. And so, you know, and he, uh, and so this emperor asked him, so who is this man that you're dying for? And you carry him with you? He said, yes, I carry Christ crucified with me. And he makes references to the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. And then it goes on and on. But it's just a beautiful example of his faith. And in jail, he writes to really encourage the brothers and sisters in Rome, saying, hey, don't cry for me. I'm actually very happy because God has has looked at me with favor and found me worthy to die for his name and for his glory. And so in his first chapter, he writes, Through prayer to God, I have obtained the privilege of seeing you, of seeing your most worthy faces and have been granted more than I requested. For I hope as a prisoner in Christ Jesus to salute you, if indeed be the will of God that I be worthy of attaining until the end. So he's always implying martyrdom. For the beginning has been well ordered, if I may obtain the grace to cling to my lot without hindrance until the end. So he's telling people right away, like, I'm expected to die, don't change it, I'm ready to go. Chapter 2, he says, do not save me from martyrdom. 
For it is not my desire to act towards you as a man-pleaser, but as pleasing to God, even as you please him. For neither I shall ever have such an opportunity of attaining to God, nor will you. So let me die. Like, let me be sacrificed. And the way that he writes to the Romans is beautiful in that he says, you know, let me... He uses a lot of imagery about being broken, you know, uh, the wheat being broken. He said, you know, let me be gnashed, right, as wheat falls to the ground and dies in order to give life. He talks a lot about that. And he says, if that can't be the case and you come into the field and stop it, then I'm going to pray that these wild beasts that they unleash will gnaw at me. So don't stop it here because I'm ready to go. And this goes against everything that society teaches us, right? If you're in pain, then flee. Right? Or numb yourself. Ignatius says, why? Death is not the end. This is him truly living the gospel of, if I believe in Jesus and I consume his body and his blood, then I will have eternal life. What's more, what's more beautiful than, um, than consuming his precious body and blood is to offer his very life in the same way that Christ did. Uh, uh, to, to offer it up for Christ in the same way. To have his blood be spilt. And his body <laughs> to be gnashed and gnawed by, by the, the lions. Uh, they don't come after me. I'm going to provoke them. Yeah, that's why he says, I am the wheat of God. Let me be ground by the teeth of the wild beast that I may be found the pure bread of Christ. Nash, nash, nash. Yes. Rather entice the wild beast. He's saying, I don't not, I'm not going to let the wild beast come to me. I'm going to entice them. Rather entice the wild beast that may become my tomb and may leave nothing of my body. I don't know about you guys. If a wild beast is coming after me and I die, thank, praise be Jesus. You know, like, but he's asking that there is nothing left of him. So that when I have fallen asleep in death, I may be troubled to no one. Then I shall truly be a disciple of Christ when the world shall see not, not so much as my body. Entreat Christ for me by the, that by these instruments I may be found a sacrifice to God. Wow. I'm just trying Ooh. to picture what it would be to entice a beast. You like my leg, yeah? <laughs> yeah Come in by my leg. <laughs> you like uh, my my wings and my arm? Yeah. Wow. You like a little arm? <laughs> but you know, honestly, like that's how much consumed he is by the love of God. It's so good. Like he could do that. I I I don't know. Yeah. If I was in the Colosseum and I see the beast, I just pray that it would be swift and quick. But nope, not Ignatius. Or some of my brother priests would say, not Iggy. <laughs> Iggy was a was a brave man. I'm like, Iggy's going to punch you when you get to heaven. I know. See, yeah, I don't... get to heaven. Yeah. I feel bad for him. Iggy. Yeah, do not call him Iggy. His name is Majestic. It's Ignatius, right? Get it right. Come on, people. Like Augusta. People like to call him Augie. I feel bad. I'm like, really, brother? You have a, the name of almost the coolest saints in the world, and you call them uh, real? Okay. Mm. Another mm. talk for another day. Another talk. Another day. Right. Anything else you got there? I think the reason why people have to understand that why Ignatius was so happy that he had the opportunity to die for the martyrdom of Christ is really his holiness. So he writes about reason of desiring to die. He says, The prince of this world, meaning Satan, would fain carry me away and corrupt my disposition towards God. Let none of you, therefore, who are in Rome, help him. Rather, be on my side 
that is on the side of Christ. <clears throat> Do not speak of Jesus Christ, and yet, and yet set your desires on the world. So what does he mean? He's saying, I would rather die and be holy and not sin nor offend God. Wow. Talk about true manhood. Literally dying for Christ, dying for the bride, his bride, which is the church, because he was a priest and a bishop during that time of Ignatius. Man, after I read these guys, I just want to go out there and conquer the world, man. Mm. Light up for Christ. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, dude, I can go on and on, but I think that's, you know, that's the majority of, of what his writings so beautifully offered for us. Nice. Once again, when you experience the love of God in your life, <clears throat> it will change you for the better. And you will find yourself having courage to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Why? Because you have someone who's going to love you. And that, there's no more reason to be afraid. But only to step Do out in the light. Do not be afraid. Not. Sorry for taking the limelight. I just love it. You had Polycarp last week, so now I'm like, yes! St. Ignatius of Antioch. Nashing. Nash, Nash, Nash. So, before I go into Justin the Martyr, are you done? Yes. Okay. Before I go into Justin the Martyr, what is the... Why are they called anti-Nicene uh, church fathers? Anti meaning before before the Nicene Council, which happened in 325 A.D. Yep. So that council did a lot of things. Um, it's where we get the Nicene Creed that we see every Sunday. It's the Nicene Creed. Which is a huge accomplishment because we still use part of that. We use all of it. Use, but then they, they, it didn't expand to Well, it. right. It got expanded that last paragraph, last two paragraphs. Yeah. But um, but it was called by Constantine the First. Um, the emperor actually was the one that called it because he wanted to bring Christianity into being a legal religion, although he himself didn't convert until Later. he died, until mm -hmm. his deathbed. He was baptized. and then, But during his reign, um, he made it a legal religion. Anyways, one of the big things they were going against was this heresy of Arianism. Ooh, what's and, that? What's that called? Yeah, Arianism was <laughs> was uh, promoted by Arius of Alexandria, and his big thing was um, that where is Jesus in relation to the Father? Is is he the son of God and therefore lesser than God? Or is he um, adopted by the father? He's a man, but he got adopted by the father. Um, or somehow is he a lesser God? And so the big thing was they're trying to figure out that conversation of like, um, if that is, <laughs> basically if Arianism is a thing, it's a heresy, so it's not. Uh, we're not saved Christ. because it's a lesser God. And so we get the word, the word that, that kind of came out of that um, era is the idea that we say, um, well, now in the creed it's consubstantial, consubstantial. Mm -hmm. homoousios versus homoousioi. The difference is, <laughs> if you've ever heard the the uh, phrase, I don't give an one iota, yep. Um one iota is actually coming out of this Greek term, 
and it actually has everything to do with an iota. Uh, iota is a I in the Greek alphabet. And so anyways, homoousios is of the same substance, and homoousioi is of a similar substance. And so it's a huge thing to say that Jesus is made of the same substance as the Father, as God, because then He is God, and He has the same... Um, the same relationship, the absolute equality with the Father. If he's not of the same substance, and then he's a lesser, and he's a lesser God, which Arian was proposing, then uh, then we're not saved because then it's not God who saved us; it's a lesser being that saved us, and only God can save us. Yeah, dude, let's spend some time with that real quickly because what Father Brian's saying. Jesus needed to have two natures to save to, to save us, right? The humanity needed to be cleansed, and then the, the, the divinity, the person needed to have two natures, the divinity to, to restore the fallenness of humanity. So if Jesus was a lesser God, right, where will suffering be, right? Will suffering even be part of the equation? And it's good to spend some time here because how many different religions, for example, like, Christ, like other Christian denominations, why don't they have the, the, the body of Jesus... On the, they have the cross, they say, but not the crucifix, right? This is part of it. We don't think about it, but this is part. It could be translated as part of that, right? Because by removing Christ's humanity, they were not acknowledging that humanity needed to suffer, right? So it, if we take away the, the the body of Jesus from the cross, what do we get? Nothing. Yeah. Which, if you actually go into uh, Islam, studying Islam, that's what Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is a prophet, but yep. he never, um, he never finished his uh, assignment because he actually got killed, and for them, God would never put himself on a cross, so um, God didn't become flesh for them, so um, for that, um, so there's that dynamic too, which is kind of a, an interesting there, okay, that was a fun side tangent, sorry, cool, that's my job. Um, so the other, one of the other things that they talked about was trying to figure out, um, universal date for Easter when we celebrate Easter, all those different things. Um, they didn't actually come to any consensus there. Um, but the real big thing is that whole, uh, we're created or that Jesus is God. Mm. Um, and that, that creed comes out of those types of things. And so. Yep. All the church fathers, right, before this, that's some of what they're trying to um, promote and write about and figure out is who is God. Uh, or who is Jesus, not who is God, who is Jesus. Um, and um, and it comes out here. And so post and Nicaea Creed, Arianism went rampant for quite some time after this creed, or after the council too, but that was one of the big things that happened. Um, even after the council. So, that was, um, is that was just something I just wanted to throw in there of why yeah. we have this before the Nicene Creed. Isn't it funny though? These are the, the same issues that, <clears throat> that happened back then are same issues cropping up now. Even with, with, with a bunch of information readily at our fingers, we're still asking the question. If you ask a lot of your classmates or even the younger generations, right? We know about Jesus. 
But if you really dive in, and that's why it's important to know the church fathers, because when you start talking to people, you will hear a lot of the, these stuff. Arianisms. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Some, some, some I mean, our degree. biggest heresy right now is Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Um, some secret knowledge coming about um, from particularly yoga or yep. the... New Age stuff. New Age stuff is totally a... The guru. Uh, a... a bringing back of Gnosticism, somehow this other thing is going to mm-hmm. give me the whatever peace and calm I desire and harmony. And mm-hmm. It's not just Jesus and his church, it's all these other things. Yep. Nope, Jesus revealed it all. Exactly, that's why the church fathers, when they had a council, it was a huge statement when they said, these are our beliefs, especially focusing on who Jesus is. Like, that's our proof, man. D twenty five eighty. I don't know about you, but if people wrote that down, and even before after the death of Jesus, they have this is our belief. You can rest assured that this well, is the was, church. I mean, God built an institute. What was conversation there was stuff that was written in right after. I mean, mm-hmm. one twenty is our earliest yeah. rendition of our of the creed that they wrote uh, in there. So cool, uh, Justin Martyr. So, Justin Martyr, pretty swell guy, uh, he actually went against um, Gnosticism, the philosophy of hidden, hidden wisdom is going to save me, versus what? Um, saying everything's been revealed in Christ. The Gnostics originally were also, um, only if you know these things will you be saved, nope. um, and we're the ones that are enlightened and snobbish, and we won't tell you what we're doing because it's all secretive. So you're peasants, you either join so, our cult or wow. achieve our status. I don't know if I would go peasants, but whatever. I'm just kidding. I'm wow, just kidding. we are really rambling today. We are. Anyways, <laughs> he wrote a whole bunch of dialogues um, or apologies, um, which isn't to say I'm sorry. Uh, apologies is another word for explanation. Well done. Example. Um, giving you a, a understanding of where I'm at. What are you doing? I'm getting coffee. Keep talking. Keep, why are you... You're ridiculous. It's going to pick it up if I put it there. Yeah, it did pick it up. This is great. Once again, we have the practical Roman fathers. Here. Justin Martyr. At your service. Here. At your service. <laughs> Justin Martyr. First, uh, things he wrote. First apology... A second apology, a dia- dialogue with Tripo, 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 um, which is somewhat of his conversion. So he was born in uh, year 100. He converted at the age of 30. And guess what? 130 is when Justin the Martyr converted. And he talks about his background in philosophy and how he converted um, into Christianity. He has a dialogue. Um, um, he has a dialogue with the emperor in that first apology, that is um, running through different elements. So he's um, he uh, tells the emperor that Justin um, that he is um, enlightened. Uh, He's enlightened? Like, 
inspired. Oh, this is right. Okay. Jesus is about... So, Jesus writes this letter, this dialogue, this apology to the emperor, or it's recorded, um, and just as enlightens them about what it is to be Christian and um, gives him the responsibilities that it means to be Christian and which are wholly theirs. Uh, the first part, uh, the anti-Christian's um, procedure is iniquitous, and uh, they persecute the Christians only in name. Christians are neither atheists nor criminals, so this is the fun part about how the word atheist has totally changed. Mm -hmm. uh, the word atheist meaned, meant um, not following of the gods. So, an atheist back in the day was actually somebody, and this is why Christians were accused of it, who weren't following the gods. And if you weren't following the Greek gods, or you weren't following the Roman gods, or you weren't following your city's gods, uh, you were an atheist. You were doing the wrong thing. You That just didn't make sense to be an atheist. So, he's defending that Christians are not atheists. In fact, we worship the true God. And we are not criminals because we don't do criminal things, we do loving things. Uh, and then they allow, um, they allow themselves to be killed rather than deny their God. So that's what Christians do. Um, they refuse to adore idols, and that's Correct. what Christians do. Yep. Uh, and then into the second part, he demonstrates Christianity. Um, Christianities adore the crucified Christ as well as God, so making that um, jump, as St. Paul says, right? That um, it's a stumbling block for the Gentiles, and it's utter nonsense to the Jews. Or is it back? Anyways, it's something like that. And then Christ is, their, Christ is our master, their master. Um, the moral precepts, what Jesus has given, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we have the moral precepts also. Uh, the future life and judgment. Uh, Christ is the incarnate word, the God made flesh. And he then he goes into a comparison with pagan heroes, with Hermes and, Hermes. Hermes and yeah. uh, Epiclesis and others. Oh, Epi Epi Epicurus. Sure. The Epicureans. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, real quick interjector. <clears throat> this is this is amazing that Justin Lamar writes about the benefits of having Christians in society, right? Why are Christians weird? If you think about it, right, they live as if we are super weird. By yeah. the way, if you didn't know, yeah, because Christians are able to be detached from things, and for the Romans it, and and for the people during that time, it's like no. You, if you're successful, you have all these materials, but they could care less. Like they were happy if, if God blessed them with great wealth, but yet they were still content if God didn't allow them to have his wealth, right? And But yet, they're the ones that are able to do a lot of works of charity, even for the strangers, right? So they're living as if they're pilgrims. They belong here in the world, and yet they don't belong here. So that's what confuses people. So I want to interject because people will often ask, well, what's the benefit of me being a Christian? What are, what are the advantages of being Catholic? You know, if we're known for uh, to be persecuted all the time, 
and what what things do we actually have to offer society? What just the martyr and what Father Brian just read? That's what we offer, and much more. Not just in the practical things, but also on the spiritual side of things. Like Jesus himself? Yes, exactly. Because we're the only religion that preaches about forgiveness and and the value of suffering. Nice. We're also ones that started hospitals. Yes, orphanages, schools. Whatever. Fullness of time, he came. Cool. Set it apart. Made it happen. Um, then he has the superiority of Christ, of in Christians um, before Christ. Um, the similarities that we find in pagan worship and philosophies um, that come from the devils. Um, so he's, uh, he makes a parallel between Plato and Aristotle and all of those and how uh, pagans can be applied. Pagans' philosophies can be applied to Christianity. Um, he takes a description of uh, Christian worship and the one that he chose was baptism. So he showed baptism and how baptisms were done. And then he talks about the Eucharist and the Sunday observance. So he has all of those different things. And then there's a second apology. Um, he talks about why commits uh, evils um, and human liberty and last judgments. He writes a whole bunch. Um, and I'm not going to read it all. Because it's a lot. It's a lot. But we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in our upload. Um, newadvent.org is kind of um, our go-to our go-to for the church fathers and stuff. It's, it's all there. It's alphabetical by the church fathers' names and also the titles of the writing. So it's very convenient. It's all online. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I just get jacked up for Jesus, especially when we talk about the church fathers. Oh, you've got to mention favorites. You forgot to mention how just the Mar writes gives us the like the, the first structure of the Mass. Go for it. Um, so for, for a while, that's, that's always been kind of the case for people who are like, well, how do we know uh, of the structure of the Mass is what it used to be? Why can't we just make changes or amendments to it? We have, but with careful prayer and discernment. Just the Mar, if you read in your catechism, especially the structure of the Mass, you'll find a footnote referencing to his writings about what the Mass looked like back in the early Christians. So that's why we, we often call the Mass two liturgies. One is Liturgy of the Word, and the other is Liturgy of the Eucharist. And he writes a lot about that, how people gather together, either homes or during the persecutions, the catacombs, and he, and he reads about how they pick up the, the scripture readings, discuss about it. There's you know the presbyters who would, would preach about it. They will sing songs to praise and worship, and then from there there's a healthy break, and then they'll lead up to the liturgy of the Eucharist. There's a lot of our format of our masses comes, and we have evidence of this from the early writings of Justin the Martyr. So if you're ever curious where the mass comes from, Justin the Martyr is the guy to go to. Okay. Apparently, he's not making that up. It's true. It's actually um, in the 66th chapter of his first apology. And this food among us called... Oh, man, this is Greek. It's been a long time. How do you say that? Do your best. I can't. I don't even know. Eucharistia. Sure. To the Eucharist. The Eucharist. Uh, Of which... 
No one is allowed to partake but the man who believes that things which we teach are true and who have been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins. Baptism. And unto regeneration. And those who... So living as Christ has adjoined, so living out that faith given in baptism. For not as common bread and common drink do we receive these, but in a like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having made flesh by the word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation. So likewise we have been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayers of his word and from which are blood and flesh, blood and flesh been trans transformed. <laughs> no, it's saying transmutilated or nourished. Trans, right? That's what it says, right? Trans transmutation. Yeah, transmutation. Transmutation or nourished is the flesh and blood that Jesus, who was made flesh. For the apostles and the memorars, memorars composed by them, which are called Gospels, thus have delivered unto us what was adjoined upon them, that Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks and said, Do this in memory of me. Luke twenty two eighteen. This is my body, and that after this, after the same manner, having taken the cup and giving thanks, he said, "This is my blood," and gave it to them alone, which wicked devils have immolated in the mysteries of mirth, commanding the same thing to be done. For what bread and cup of water are placed in certain incantations in the mystery rites? Of the one who is being initiated, See, you one. neither know or can learn. That's hardcore. <clears throat> That's saying, you know, Christianity is for real. So, if you don't believe in these things, right? And that's why, like, as priests, we, that's why Father Brian and I, we, we started this podcast to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to really catechize, tell people the church fathers knew what's going on, and we have beautiful gift in the Eucharist. So let's believe it. Let's really dive in to know more about faith and to love our faith. The fun part is it's true so it doesn't matter about our belief level. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make it more or less true if I believe it or not. It yeah. either is the Eucharist or it is not the Eucharist. Finally, Arcano said that, right? Yep. She goes, if the Eucharist is not Jesus, well then to hell with it, actually, is what she said. Mm-hmm. And then I'm being idolatrous of, of a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. But if it's Jesus himself, well, my entire life is his, which is what I hope. Amen. No, so we, we hope we hope that you enjoy listening to this, because from dressing the martyrs, standing up for the faith, being conver- being convert to the faith, and like, look how well he defended the faith. And that's why there's, there's a truth to those who aren't born in the faith. They really greatly appreciate coming to the Catholic faith, because it said, I've worked my whole life seeking Jesus, and now that I find him, I'm never going to let go of him, right? And look at the beauty of the reverence of the Eucharist from Justin the Martyr and from Ignatius. Ignatius wrote about, like, let me be the bread. 
Let me be crushed. Let me be broken as this wheat so that can give the you know the wheat that falls to God and dies so that can bring new life. Dude, I love it. I love the church fathers. Boom. So thank you for tuning us uh, for tuning into our podcast. We greatly appreciate it, and we pray for you each and every day. So continue to open your hearts to Jesus. Let him in, and I promise you it's going to be an awesome ride. Bumpy, hard at times, but Jesus always loves you. As Father Brian always says when he closes, Stay holy, my friends.